All right, tonight is not going to be a normal um, time for us. We're, we're going to take a break from the Gospel of Mark just for tonight. And even so that we're having this time of fellowship for Christmas, we're also not going to do a normal Christmas message. I, I, I am going to mention things to you about Jesus's first coming, but I want to focus on not on how uh, Jesus's life began and how his life ended in his ascension into heaven. I want to focus on tonight Jesus's on his return and what that means for the Christian. I want this to be a night of really huge encouragement. Okay, so Christmas is by far probably my most favorite holiday. You can ask my mom. I'm not making this up, right? Like I still remember some of the gifts that I got when I was like seven or eight years old. And this this is one of my most favorite Christmas memories. I remember going and looking under the Christmas tree and there's this present wrapped up and it said from Santa. Because, right, because you're told as a kid you're supposed to believe in Santa. And so I was like waiting with great anticipation to go under the tree on Christmas Day and to open up whatever the gift that it was that Santa had brought me, a.k.a. my mom and dad, right? Really, it was my mom or my dad that got the present. But, y'all, it was a fake washing machine. Right. At seven and eight years old, I was really excited because my mom got me this washing machine and it came with clothes. and You got to wash it. And I had baby dolls and stuff and all of that. And I got to wash their clothes. I thought I was so cool. Um, turns out that having a washing machine just means you have to do chores and fold your clothes as an adult. But as a child, that gift was really big for me. And I waited with great anticipation, right? I, I could go to school and have a bad day. But when I came in and I saw the gift that was waiting me, I got really excited. What, what's something that's, that's fun for you about Christmas? What's, what's your favorite part of Christmas? Right, the weather is colder. I'm a winter person. My birthday's in January, so I like the cold weather. What else? Right, right. If you give someone a gift, it, it is pretty pretty special for them to have joy and excitement and happiness when they open that gift. Somebody else, what's your favorite part of Christmas, Bella? Whenever me and my brother go down at like 6 o'clock, and I usually make myself a pallet on his floor in his bedroom. And we go down and then we see like the Christmas tree and like the elf on the shelf. Right. So there, there's a lot to be excited about, right? Yeah. You want to, did you want to share something? Yeah, share, uh, seeing family from far away. Seeing family from far away. Right. And even if the entire month of December, it was horrible for you, right? Let's say you had a horrible month at school. Let's say that family situation isn't going right. You could have the worst possible situation going on in the month of December but on December 25th you probably know I'm gonna wake up with joy because there was something that you waited on that came that changed your whole mood right you just felt like I can live another day I can suffer for one more day if I can just make it to Christmas if I can just receive that gift and I'm telling you today that those emotions that you have in a worldly sense because Christmas, the gifts and the trees and all, that's not the all be all. Those emotions that you have in a worldly sense is the exact response that we should have in a spiritual sense to Jesus' second coming. And here's what I mean. The reality of life is, is that we are going to experience pain. We're going to experience misery. We're going to experience suffering. And, and all of those things. But, but there is a time coming where we're going to experience joy. 
Like this is not all that there is. In the same way that the little kid who may have the worst December ever can look forward to December 25th, we can look forward to Jesus' coming. And Jesus' return is far better than any Christmas you could ever have. It doesn't matter what's under the tree. It doesn't matter what's not under the tree. Let me say that. I know not everybody has the best Christmas. Having joy on Christmas should not be because you got new shoes, a new phone, and some new gadgets. As a Christian, that is not where our joy should come from. So we should be able to be homeless people on the street with joy on Christmas Day because we have received the greatest gift. And guess what? He's coming again. This is not all that there is. Your pain is not all that there is. Your suffering is not all that there is. Your misery is not all that there is. This life is passing away and Jesus is coming back. That's going to be the greatest Christmas ever because that's what Christmas means. More of Christ. Right. I can't wait for the day that Jesus comes back. That's why I wore this tonight. I know how the story ends. That's what I want to remind myself of. I was praying that the other other night in my Bible reading plan. Right now I'm in Revelation and I'm like, man, Lord, no matter how horrible my day goes, I want to remind myself when I get into the word. I know how the story ends. Lord, I know right now I may be feeling depressed, but I know how the story ends. I may be feeling anxious about this life situation, but I know how the story ends. My grandma has a diagnosis of breast cancer, but I know how the story ends. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. How the story ends. That's the greatest Christmas. And our focus is the story ends with Jesus. Jesus is coming again. So we're going to pick up in the Old Testament. So the people of Israel, before the, in the prophecy that we're about to read, They are in a place of misery and they are in a place of suffering. And they're also in a place of pain. They were under oppression. They were under rule by people who did not like them. They were being killed because they were people of God. They were being murdered and oppressed. So right, they were waiting. Just think about that. If somebody came and captured you tonight and they tortured you, they cut your arms, they beat you on the back with the whip. They put you to a fire. Wouldn't you be anticipating for somebody to come and get you to rescue from that situation? Right? Wouldn't you say that? Yes or no? Right. We would all want rescue from that situation. And that's exactly what, what we're going to see when we look at Isaiah chapter 9. That's what we're going to start off. They were under this oppression. But listen to the word of the Lord that was spoken to them. And I want you to hear God's heart towards you today. Okay? So you can turn there. Turn out Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at the first seven verses. What is God's heart to a people who are miserable, to a people who are broken, to a people who are in pain, to a people who are in anguish, to a people who are miserable, to a people who are in a dark place? What is God's response to them? That's what we want to focus on tonight. Why can I still have joy when I have a breast cancer diagnosis? Why can I still have joy when I'm not going to have any presents on Christmas morning? Why can I still have joy when I don't have any money? Why can I still have joy when I don't have the clothes that I may want to have? Why can I still have joy when life is miserable? That's what we're going to read here. We're going to read the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. And then we're going to look at some other passages as well. And I know that a lot of you in a lot of ways can relate to the people of Israel as they waited on Jesus. You have things going on in your life that make you really sad. You have things going on in your life that make you anxious, things that grieve you, 
things that probably make you angry and things that make you bitter. But just know that the Lord is the same today as he was to the people of Israel. His response to you today is the same as his response to the people of Israel because he does not change. That's why I can get excited about how the story ends. Because he's going to be the same then too. All right, let's read it. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. It says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Sentence 1, the Lord is saying, your life, the way that it is now, it will, it's not eternal. This life is passing away. That is good news, y'all. Your bitterness is passing away. Your pain is passing away. Your misery is passing away. There is a time coming where those things will be no more. It says, in the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep, deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Listen to verse 6. This, this is what we get excited about for Christmas. The thing to be excited about, again, is not that your family put up this great, awesome Christmas tree. That's great. But if it's all just about the Christmas tree, then we've missed the point. The point is not that the house has been decorated with lights. That's awesome if we're doing that from a place of faith in Jesus. But if that's all that it's about, we've missed the point. Okay, this is the point right here. Verse six, for to us, a child is born to us. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Y'all, I, I hope you really see this. This is a baby. Why does it matter that a baby was born in a barn around animals? Babies are born every single day. Today, there are probably thousands of babies, if not more, born all over the world. Why did it matter that this baby was born? Because this baby wasn't just any baby. This baby was not like you when he was born. This baby is Jesus, and he is God, the creator of everything that you see, the ruler of the entire universe, the, the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega, the author and finisher of your faith. This is not just any child. That's why the world changed when he was born. That's why we set apart a day in our culture to hopefully worship him and not Black Friday and all of the gifts in our culture. Hopefully the focus is not on Santa Claus and elves. And again, I, I, Christmas movies are cute. They're pure hearted. They're light. But if my heart leaps because I see a Christmas movie about Santa and elves, and yet when I hear the word of the Lord proclaimed about Jesus and my heart isn't moved, then I have missed the point. I've missed it. 
The point is that Jesus is God and God left his throne and he came to live among sinful people so that your pain would not be eternal. So that your sin would not have the last word. So that your misery would not be forever. So that the disease and illnesses that you see in this world cannot have the last say so. That's why he came. Because he loves you that much. That's the Christmas message. So again, man, I can wake up on Christmas morning before I ever go downstairs or before I ever go and look at a present. And I can feel so complete. And so content and so loved because I have a relationship with Jesus and I know that God left his throne in heaven and he came and died on an old rugged cross so that I may have a relationship with him when I don't deserve it. That is a gift that keeps giving for all of eternity. No gift that's in a wrapper can ever compare to that. Jesus is worth more than any gift in this world. I could give you a BMW. I could give you a house that's three stories. I could give you a trip to Hawaii. I could give you every desire that you have in this world. And it will never come even an inch close to the comparison of the worth of Jesus Christ. But the believer, you really have to cling to that to actually live that out. To actually wake up on Christmas morning knowing that there's nothing waiting on you downstairs. But you're more excited than a little kid that just got a new bicycle. Because your joy should be greater than theirs. Their excitement is about a gift that passes away. You have a gift that lives forever and has existed since before the beginning of time. Your joy should look as if it is eternal. Because your gift that's been given to you is eternal. So when I look at these verses, I should be encouraged that racism is not going to go on forever. That murder and hatred and disease and sickness and broken relationships. I come from divorced parents. Man, that is a joy that I know that I'm not going to have to struggle with my sin forever. That Jesus is coming again and that this world is passing away. This is not all that there is. That the hard tension that I feel in this life every day is not all that there is. Death is not going to have the final say. All right, I'm going to encourage you with four different passages of scripture, and then we're going to pray, and we're also going to pray tonight for a people group. What better way to pray for a people group about their heart in this time of Christmas? And other religions are going to be celebrating different things. What better way for them to recognize the eternal, infinitely worthy gift of Jesus Christ? What better way to pray for them when we are going to pray for a people group? All right, here's the first passage, Romans chapter 8, 18 through 30. And again, this is a night of encouragement. I hope you really take this with you because I don't know what any of your Christmases are going to look like. I know what mine's going to look like. I don't know what yours is going to look like. I don't know what the people at your school's Christmas is going to look like. But this is there's no greater encouragement than to remind them, especially for the believer, Jesus is coming Again, this is not all that there is. Romans 8, 18 through 30. Give me a thumbs up when you're there. I want you to see this for yourself. These are not my words. This is Paul speaking of the time that is now and then comparing it to the time that is going to come. The time of now, this time of misery, this time of death, 
this time of anxiety, this time of sin, this time of rebellion against God, living in a world where people hate God and they don't follow his way. He's comparing that time and the suffering of Christians to the time to come. Listen to what he says in Romans 8, 18 through 30. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul is literally saying they don't even put it on the scale because it's going to break the scale. It's not even worth comparing them. Your life right now, it's not even worth comparing to the life that is promised to you for eternal in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying your life with Jesus, worshiping Jesus, saying holy, 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 saying worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain, honor, power, and glory to him forever. Amen. He says that life is no comparison to the life that you experience right now. And it can be easy for you to wake up every day and forget that this world is not forever. That there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that's going to come. Listen to what he says, verse 19. For the creation waits, just like the people of Israel waited on Jesus. We are all still waiting. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Listen to that promise. Like, My shoulder that aches when I get up in the morning when it's cold, it's not going to ache forever. Like your grandparents' knees that hurt because they're old, they're not going to hurt forever. Our bodies will be redeemed. It says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Man, that means every bit of racism that a person has experienced is going to be worked for their good and for the glory of God. That every murder that a person has experienced is going to be worked for good and for the glory of God. Every inch of hatred, every bit of cancer, every bit of COVID-19, every sickness that has ever existed on the earth, all the way back to some of the things that you read about in your history class. The Lord says it's not meaningless. It's not purposeless. It matters. It's going to be worked For the good of those who are called called according to his purpose. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And listen to the last part. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That is a great reminder that this life is not all that there is. Jesus is coming again. Look at Revelation 12 verses 7 through 11. 
We're going to spend the rest of our time in the book of Revelation. These scriptures really have stuck out to me in the past couple of weeks as I've been finishing up my reading plan from this year. Revelation 12, verses 7 through 11. Again, let me know where you're there. I want you to see this for your own eyes. The book at the end, it's the last book of the Bible. Chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. Listen to this. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. Listen to who the dragon is. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers have been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him. This is talking about you, believers. They have conquered him. How are we going to conquer Satan who accuses us and wants us to fall into sin and temptation and is glad that we have to suffer in this life? How are we going to conquer? Look at verse 11. And they conquered him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony, you're not going to conquer Satan by being a TikTok star. You're not going to conquer Satan by getting three degrees and making a bunch of money and building a house with a white picket fence and having three Labrador retrievers. That's not how you conquer him. It's by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. How do you have this promise that Jesus is coming again? That pain is no longer misery and hatred and racism and all of these things are going to be put to an end. It's by trusting in the blood of Jesus. That's why he came. And he's coming again to receive those who love him. He's coming back to receive those who believe in him. He's coming back to receive those who have placed their faith in him, who believe that he is worth more than anything because this, this is what he's worth. Listen to the rest of it. And they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Listen, listen to the last phrase. I pray that you guys are a generation of Christians who live like this for they love not their lives even unto death. That's different than what you're told on social media. That's different than what you're told by your friends at school. You're told to love yourself, love your life, live to be whoever you want to be. Don't deny yourself. Actually do whatever your sinful heart leads you to do. And they said, no, no, no. These people are different. These people have seen Jesus for who he really is. These people have really seen Jesus, not just seen a picture of this white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes next to this girl kneeling down next to a baby in a manger in a picture. Not not this guy from this movie on TV, not this guy that they've heard about from their family or from their friends, not a guy just from a page from a Bible story that they've heard all their life in Sunday school. No, they have really seen Jesus. This is how we know that they have seen Jesus because they lived like he was worth more than anything. 
and he is. He is. The fact and truth is only a God who is worth everything will be worshipped for eternity. That makes logical sense, right? Would you sit and clap for a serial killer? Do they deserve praise and worship? No, they haven't. They don't deserve that. Jesus does. And he died for you so that you have, might have relationship with him. He deserves everything. And he's going to receive that. Are you going to be a part of it? And are you willing to deny yourself of everything in this life? If that's what it means for you to be a part of it. Are you willing to deny yourself if you have same sex attraction? Are you willing to deny yourself of those feelings and that pleasure in order to live a life for Jesus and die never having married, never having, never having experienced the things of this world so that you can see Jesus because you believe he is far better than the pleasures of this life? Are you willing to never have a spouse and never have children? If that's what the Lord calls you to, because you believe he is far better than that life that you can have with those people. Are you willing to not have a career with as much money if that's what the Lord calls you to? Because you believe he is far better. That's what it's saying. They conquered Satan. How is it that you persevere to the end of your life? It's by really seeing Jesus. And when you really see Jesus, you cling to the blood of the lamb. You testify about Jesus and you deny yourself even unto death. That means even if it comes down to you saying, I believe in Jesus and somebody chops your head off. That's what that's saying. Even if it comes down to that moment, is Jesus worth your life? Literally, we say that all the time. When you believe in Jesus, you have to give your life. And this text is saying, no, people who really love Jesus, they really will give their life because that's how much he is worth. Actually, he's worth even more than that. He's worth eternity. We don't even understand that because we navigate everything by time, right? We look at clocks. I have a timer in my classroom going 24-7. Every time they start an activity, I start a timer. Jesus is not bound by time. He's literally worth eternity. And we can't comprehend that. That's how awesome he is. He can't be comprehended. Even unto death. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Hang in there. We're almost done. We're going to take some time to pray for the, uh, our, our people group in light of what we're reading tonight. But I really want you to be encouraged. I really felt led instead of looking at the gospel of Mark to encourage you with how the story ends. Jesus is coming again. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 4. This is a scene, just a glimpse, a glimpse of the new heaven and the new earth. You're like, Miss Shay, I understand what you're saying, that Jesus, Jesus is far better. I understand that you're saying that I should deny myself of, of these sinful desires. But the world, the world just seems like it's so good because it's right here in front of me. I can see my, the pleasure that would come after I sin. I, I, can, I can just see the, the different, the money and the fame and the popularity. Mishay is right at the, the end of my fingertips. But I, I, I wanna, want you to see what's waiting you and why it's better. Why it's worth saying, no, world, I don't desire you. World, I belong to Jesus. World, Jesus is better. And I'm not saying your desires are going to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect. That's what sanctification is for. 
That's why we come to the word every week. We want to get another glimpse of Jesus. We just want, Lord, I want to see Jesus more clearly this week. Lord, I want to see Jesus more clearly today. Lord, I want my desires to be deepened for Jesus today more than they were yesterday. Because when that happens, when that happens, the less and less sin entices you. The less and less sin appeases you. And this is where we're headed. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Listen to verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Y'all, there's been a lot of tears shed since the beginning of time. Like that, like what, I don't, that, that would be hard to record. People have shared tears over so many things. There's, there's brokenness all around. Y'all don't need help understanding that. Y'all know that people are broken, right? You're like, Miss Shay, my family's broken. Miss Shay, I'm broken. My brother's broken. My aunt is broken. I'm a part of a broken situation. I know, I know. So you can understand the weeping, And then you add into that, not just suffering and pain, but the weeping because of how broken we are over our sin. We, this is holy God. And he, he wants to be with us in the midst of sinful people and change us. Oh, the weeping over that. Right. And it says, and death, it's like, it doesn't even end there. And death shall be no more. You can stop making caskets. You can stop making burial plots because no one will die anymore. And then there's, it gets better. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, no more arthritis. Tylenol and ibuprofen companies will no longer be in business because you're not going to have any pain. No more headaches, no more hip pain, no more back pain. And it says, listen to this. This is what I'm trying to get you to see that this is not all that there is. For the former things have passed away. It's like that. That life is gone. Y'all, this life is not all that there is. So we shouldn't live like it. We should live like this life in Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Because this is not all that there is. White matter disease is not all that there is. Back injections is not all that there is. This is what's coming and this is what's going to last forever. So we should live like it. We should live like a life that is coming, that Jesus is coming back. That's how we should live. All right, last section. Favorite verses in the Bible, the last verses in the Bible. So if Jesus had one last thing to say to you tonight, he says it in Revelation 22, 6 through 21. Revelation 22, 6 through 21. And even in the ESV, it's literally titled Jesus is coming. That's where I got my title from for this devotional tonight. Jesus is coming again. I know how the story ends. Jesus has told you how the story ends. Verse 6. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. 
I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And I want to stop right there and explain this to you. Here's what he's not saying. He's not saying that everybody that's going to spend an eternity with him are perfect people. He's saying that they denied themselves of their sexually immoral lives. They denied themselves of their urge to murder people. They denied themselves of their idolatry. They denied themselves of the falsehood. He, he's not saying that they're any better than the people that are going to be on the outside. He's saying they clung to me. They trusted in me. They didn't trust in themselves. They didn't continue in this life when they learned about me. They saw that I was far better. Verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Here's the gospel to you by revelation. Jesus's message to you today, sinner who is thirsty, who keeps chasing after the things of this world. He says, come and drink and you don't have to pay a dime. It's free. Come and drink. The world doesn't tell you that. Every time you chase after sin and you give into it, you are going to pay a price for it. None of it is free because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life. The only tree that's going to matter in heaven is not going to be a Christmas tree. It's going to be the tree of life. And in the holy city, which are described in this book, verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I want you to say that with me. Come, Lord Jesus. Verse 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. And that speaks for itself. Let's let's pray. Like, let's spend some time. Praying according to what we have heard tonight because I know it was a lot. I don't even normally teach like that. Normally I ask you questions and we don't look at that much, but I was, I really felt led tonight for us to really hear how the story ends and what that should mean for your life today if you profess to be a Christian and also what that means for your life today. If you know right now, if you know in your heart that you don't love Jesus. And you know you don't have a relationship with him. You know you don't desire him. But his invitation to you tonight is to come. Sexually immoral, idolater, murderer, practicer of falsehood. You're, his invitation is to come and drink for free. Actually, come and drink for all of eternity. And enjoy 
his presence and his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his perfectness and his righteousness and his holiness for all of eternity. And he says, that is worth more than anything you could ever get on this earth. Let's pray.